Let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for who you are. We ask that you would meet with us this morning, that you would teach us through your word. Lord, that as we talk about your word, as we chew on it, as we think about it, Lord, that you would change our lives. Lord, that you would make us uh, more like Jesus, that you would transform us. As we look at your word, and Father, as we're in community with one another, we ask that you would grieve us, that you would burden us with the lostness of the people around us, and Father, that we would recognize and be humbled by the grace of God that we had nothing that made us worth, worth it to you, but Father, you, while we were sinners, loved us and demonstrated that love on the cross. We thank you for the cross. We ask that you would allow us to be faithful to the calling that you've given us to die to ourselves today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. Do me a favor, you know that it's coming. Get in a group of about, uh, let's say, five or six people today. Try to get a couple people that you don't know. We have some new folks in the room today. Make sure you get with them. If you are a graduating high school, graduated high school senior, make sure that you're not just with other graduated high school seniors, but you actually intermingle and diffuse throughout the room. Can you handle that? Can you handle that? Yeah, me and Dobbs, you can handle that. Awesome. Ready, break, go. Get in your group. Oh my gosh. Look at y'all. Oh, I was like, oh, we're going on the stage. <laughs> Kathy Bow's going to go on the stage. Okay, now remember note to self five or six people. Not 20, okay? Five or six. Right on. Say hi. This looks like a whole group of high school seniors. Graduated. Huh? Let's, let's break it up. Stephanie, help me. How are we going to do this? Take ownership, Stephanie. Get them. Sick them. Hey, Charlotte, can your group split up and maybe intermingle with some awesome? Do it. Make it happen. Hey, Andrea, you notice your group right there? Look around. Can you move some of them around? Perfect. Sound happy about it? Awesome. Perfect. Where's Andy? Andy, where are you at? I didn't say I wanted you to come here. I just said I wanted your group to switch it up a little bit. Where's Andy? Andy Nickel, where are you? Where? Oh. Thanks for serving. <laughs> All right. We good? Did you say hi to the people in your group? Danae, how are you? Good to see you. Brilliance. Do y'all want to turn this couch around for your comfort? For your comfort. We're going to be talking about comfort today anyway, so you'll be convicted in about 10 seconds. And I'm convicted because I'm not helping you. Don't mind me. I'm just moving the couch with two girls. And there is a very large bug right there. All right. Did you say hello? Did you exchange phone numbers yet? No? Okay, here we go. 
Tell me what first, the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word relationship. We already have some laughs, so something came to your mind. Tell it to me. What happens? What? <laughs> Compromise with that person. Do you need to tell us about your dating life, Stephanie? <laughs> Stephanie, explain. Compromise. What do you mean? Oh, okay. So 100% effort from each person. Nice. All right. What kind of relationship is that are, are you talking about? Or do you have in mind right there? Like dating, friend. There you go. Mom, dad, grandma, old lady on the street falling down when she took her garbage out. Personal relationship, okay. What else comes to your mind when you hear the word relationship? Commitment, explain that to me. Okay. Put some effort into it. Okay. Stick to what you say. Give me somebody else. What? It's work. Relationships are work. Wade, what, what kind of relationship do you have in mind right now? <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll just, okay. Pass, phone a friend, whatever, okay? Give me another one. Yes. Time, okay, explain. Right on. Ladies, how would you feel you're dating somebody and you never hang out with each other? Huh? It'd be over? Okay. All right. Thanks for your honesty. All right. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give me some things of our relationship with God. Okay, now this is a really vulnerable thing right here because I'm not asking you to do it on a piece of paper and then hand it in like anonymous voter style. I'm asking you to say, to give me some descriptors, descriptions of your relationship with God. Not like how it should be. Not like the Sunday school, oh, it's just bliss. Nothing like that. If it is bliss, right on. But describe your relationship with God, okay? Do we want to talk about it in your group first and then bust it out? Or do, does anybody just want to say it out loud? Personal? Pauline, what do you mean? Right on. So it's personal. Spend some time. Going back to what you said, some time. You can't have a relationship with someone without time. It's work. That's what Wayne said. What were some of the other ones that were said about relationships? Let's see if we can apply those to our relationship with God. What were some other ones? Commitment. Is there a commitment involved on your part? On God's part? Both. It's called a covenant. Cool. 
What else? Right. We want to hold on. Though he's giving and giving and giving, we want to hold on, yeah, be the taker of the relationship. Okay, let's get into this sub-question. How does your relationship make you feel? I hate using those words, like, how do you feel? Because a lot of times we base everything on feelings and not necessarily truth, but we're going to go from feelings to truth, and then back to feelings today, which is really awkward for me. How Describe sometimes how your relationship with God feels. Let me give you an example. Um, David, the psalmist, said sometimes that his relationship felt dry and barren. Does our relationship with God, you ever feel like that in your relationship with God, where it's dry and barren? Yeah. So distant. Sometimes God feels distant. Anybody a right on on that? Yeah? Okay, what else? Irritating? Okay, Daniel, need a description on that one. Help me out. Okay, I'm God, you're not, do it. Okay, anybody else? Give me one more. Catherine, you've had this like mischievous grin on your face all morning. Explain your relationship with God. Roller coaster. Anybody can relate to that? How many of you just got back from camp? How many of you were at camp last year? What's been the description of your life maybe from camp to camp? Right? That's how it was for me when I, when I was in high school of, man, right on. God is awesome. I'm at camp. There's some amazing worship. I'm in the word. I, I don't have the distractions. I have people pouring into me. I'm pouring into people. I'm loving on people, and then I go home, and it's like, um, what happened, right? So that leads us to our next sub-question. How do you maintain a relationship with God? Like Pauline said, I talked to him, spent some time with him. Well, what's, what's that look like fleshed out in, in a day-to-day life? How do, how do you grow in your relationship with God? Hmm. 
Okay? So discipline. That's not a word that we like to hear associated with our relationship with God. God disciplines those whom he loves, yeah. Okay. Uh, Nairi, you said spend time in the word. Why, why is that important in, in a relationship with God? Or let's put that to the floor. Why, why is word, why do we always say, oh, I haven't been in the word? Okay. Okay, so word time, if you couldn't hear today, it's how we know God's faithfulness, it's how we know his character, it's how we know who God is. Now, what, what would you say if, if you saw somebody and they said, hey, what are you doing tonight? And uh, they said to you, I'm going out on a date. Oh, okay, cool. Who, who are you going out on a date with? Well, God. I'm going out on a date with God. What would be kind of your thought there? Yeah, I, I probably would laugh too. Yeah. Lawrence, you, you had the smile on your face. Like, would you laugh? What else would, what else would you think, Lawrence? What else would you think? Yeah, a little weird. A little, little crazy. Well, what do you and God do on your dates? You're like, what? <laughs> so it's easy for us to make this relationship of, if you want to grow in your relationship with a member of the opposite sex, if you want to grow in that relationship, you have to spend time together, you have to be interested in the same things, even though... Guys, you might not give a rip about shoes. You might go to the mall and go shoe shopping and sit there and act like you're having a great time. Why? Because the girl is into shoes. And you are into girl, so you want to be into shoes. It's easy for us to get that when it comes to the opposite sex, but when it comes to our relationship with God, I need to spend time with God. How do I spend time with God? Well, in his word. Another one Nairi said, in prayer. Another one that we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks. You talked about it on Wednesday night. In community with one another, where I'm dealing with an issue, I'm going through some stuff, and somebody speaks truth into my life, or I speak truth into their life. I'm spending time with God by them pouring into me, them getting me to look more like Jesus. God's interests are this. Well, since God's interest is holiness, well, my interest is holiness. So even though it's hard and I don't want to go shoe shopping with God, I'm going to be interested in holiness because God's interested in holiness. Even though I'm not a loving person, God is love, and he who is in God is, is an extension of that love to other people. So I reprioritize. I shoe shop, even though that's not my thing. You see how that works? Does that make sense? In a relationship? 
Okay, well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. If you have your Bibles, turn in them to Galatians. If you don't have your Bible, we've got some in the back for you. Galatians chapter 4. I'll read it for us, and then we're going to unpack it a little bit within your group. Actually, you know what? You read it. One person in your group, read it kind of loud for us. You can read it now. Galatians 4, 1 to 7. Cool. Y'all have heard, probably, if you've been around Christian circles a little bit, you've heard the, the mantra that we always say that a relationship, that Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. What, what do we mean when we say that? Why do we say that? Yeah. Yeah. It's not about what you do. It's about knowing God. It's about operating in your identity and who you are in Christ. Anything else? Okay. The motivation is love. So just like God would go to shoe store because of love, well, love, whatever, we would do these things that we're not necessarily... It's not that we don't do anything, it's that our motive is love. It's hard for me sometimes to share the gospel, but why do I do it? Love, love for God and love for people. It's hard for me sometimes to be vulnerable and to be, to be honest about what's up in my life, but why do I do that? Well, because of love, my motive is love, relationship, love. My motive is love for other people, okay? Look at what Galatians says, Galatians 4, 1 through 7. We get that it's a relationship, but I think a lot of times we miss the Holy Spirit's role in that relationship process. If you're new here today, we're going through a study called Forgotten God by a a guy named um, Francis Chan. Short, I can relate to him. Um, He's Korean, I'm not, but he's awesome because he takes things that we know about God, about the Holy Spirit, and just puts them in a way where we're like, huh, I haven't really thought of it that way. Or nobody's, I haven't really had 
the Lord magnify that truth in my life where I see it in that vivid of a detail. So look at what Galatians 4 says. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also we, while we were children, we were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that's you and me, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, as a result of the spirit being sent, you are no longer slave. You're not a slave anymore, but you're a son. And if you're a son, then you are an heir through God. Okay, Galatians is all about the law, okay? It was written because what we're studying in the book of Acts on Wednesday nights, we're right at this place where when the gospel was going forth to the Gentiles, people that were not Jews, the Jews, some Jews tried to put all these restrictions, put all these, yeah, it's great that you have Jesus, but you also need to have this, 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 this before you can qualify to be a Christian, And so Paul writes this letter of Galatians saying, look, you were under the law, you didn't get it then. And then we get to chapter 4, we we have this relationship aspect. What are the two things that are pointed out in this text? You used to be what? A slave. But now in Christ, you're what? You're an heir, you're a... Son, right? Okay, now, what I want you to do in your group, tell me some descriptions about, first of all, we'll stick with slave. Tell me some descriptions about a slave. What is the difference between a slave and a son? What? Inheritance? Freedom? Take this topic with your group. Mull over it, talk about it. Difference between a slave and a son. Go for it. If someone in your group has a piece of paper and a pen, jot down some of these so that we can have them when we talk about them. Don't spend the whole time talking about one aspect. Just kind of shoot them out there.
We good? Or are we still talking? Some groups look a little stoic. Others are still rolling. All right. Let, let's take the slave aspect. And you can still, you can still think if um, you didn't get a chance to talk. Um, slave. Describe that. And we're not even talking about, like, we're not going back to Jewish or Roman customs during this time about what it meant to be a slave. If we did that, we'd see some more things. But I, I think we can get the general idea by just what we already know about slaves. Tell me about them. Not treated very well most of the time, right? They do things because they have to, not because they want to. They're approved. Who is that smoking hot woman right there? That's my wife. I don't usually hit on girls in the ministry. I totally lost track of what you said because of what I just said. Go ahead, say it again. What you do, what you, your accomplishments, that's, that's a slave. A slave's purpose is, well, I, I want to just accomplish things. My worth is in that. Man. What else? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's good. Fear being the primary motivation for a slave. All right, jump over to, well, before we do that, what about, like, what about some of the privileges that, that slaves have? Do they have privileges? Do they have rights? And, and in some aspects, we need to get, like Romans 6, Romans 8, they talk about how we are no longer slaves of sin, but we're slaves of righteousness. Slave is not always a bad word, in, in, biblically speaking, in like Romans. Sometimes we need to get that we are a slave to God through righteousness. But that's not what we're talking about right now, okay? Jump over to son. What, what, tell me about son. And girls, I know it's a little bit weird for you because you're like, I'm not a son. Okay, so again, the inheritance aspect. What else, though? Nice, Joel. That's, that's in like 140 characters or less. Sons are loved, slaves are used. That's good. Yeah. We immediately are a part of the family with the benefits of the family. I'm Italian, so family's big. The family. We're a part of the family. What else? Oh, yeah. 
sons have the family to go to versus a slave. I mean, you mess up and, again, fear of what's going to happen. Give me a couple more. Oh, let me think of how to say this. A lot of us have a problem with this aspect of sons because we're immediately putting God like here's our earthly dad and here's God and we're, we're having a hard time with that. We, we have a hard time because our earthly fathers aren't necessarily always the best examples of leading us to what a godly father looks like. So with that, junk that image out of your head and this is an appropriate, a godly father-son, father-daughter relationship, okay? So with that, Mo, you said they're initiated. They, they have wisdom from their father. Just like we're looking at Proverbs across the street, a dad giving some wisdom to his son, God does that for us. God doesn't just put us out in the world and say, ready, go, fail, learn by mistakes. He initiates us. He wants us through the right ways to succeed in what he's called us to do. Give me one more. Or two. Somebody over here. Punishment? Explain that, Colby. Okay. No, you're, it's perfect. The motivation in punishment. Now, are sons punished? Yes, you are. We are. Okay? Are slaves punished? And this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. What's the motive, though, in punishment? Slave, punish, break down. Don't you ever, ever cross me again. Versus son, love. Going back to what you were saying, Cheney, of that verse in Hebrews. God disciplines those whom he loves. Good stuff. All right? Let's look at one more, one more thing. Go to Romans chapter 8. The incredible truth here that we're looking at is that we have been adopted by God into his family. We've been adopted into the family. But God wasn't just satisfied with simply adopting us. Think of this. Think of the progression. We're not slaves anymore. We're adopted. And you, you might know some people where the, the true kids and the adopted kids always are at odds with each other. That's not what God did for us in adopting us. He adopted us and what else did he do according to Galatians 4? Not only are we sons and daughters, we're heirs. All the stuff is ours. Everything we need pertaining to life and godliness here on earth is ours now when we are in Christ. That's what Ephesians says. That's awesome. Look at Romans 8, verse 12. I love Romans 8. Some of you have them on pillows, some verses on pillows in your house or quilts. But it's a pretty gutsy chapter. Look at um, verse 12. Um, before that, like chapter, chapter 8 at the beginning, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, the comparison of those that were under the law, and then now those that are in Christ. Verse 4, 
Um, we don't live according to the flesh, but we live according to the spirit. And there's this contrast, this battle between flesh and spirit throughout this whole um, chapter. Flesh looks like this, spirit looks like this. Um, verse 12, you're not, not under obligation anymore, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. If Christ, if Christ is Lord in your life, if you have believed the gospel and the spirit is in you, this is not the actual text. You don't have a different version. I'm talking. Sorry. If the spirit of God is in you, you do not live under obligation to the flesh. What's that word obligation mean? If you're obligated as a son to take out the trash, what's that mean? You're locked in. You got to do it. It's your responsibility. You, if you are a child of God, are no longer locked in, I like that, Wayne, locked in to the flesh. Do you have to obey the flesh? No. You're not under obligation. Why? Because the Spirit is in you. Look at verse 13. For, it's explaining it more, for if you are living according to the flesh, what needs to happen? Die. You must die. This is what we talk about all the time, especially with our community groups. We need to learn how to kill sin. Old school boys, they used to say, we need to learn how to mortify the flesh. Remember all the things that Christ said to us? Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. The life I now live is not my own, but I live it by faith. We're dead. Let's keep going. Verse 13, for if you're living according to the flesh, you must no option, you must die. But if the Spirit, if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. See the contrast? You will live. I love this verse. For all of those who are being led by the Spirit of God, what are we? We are sons of God. Because we haven't received the Spirit of, what? Slavery that leads to fear again. But we have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, what? Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, we're heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs, joint heirs with Christ. If, indeed, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Okay, what I want you to do in your group Tell me about this thing of Abba. Abba, Father. Like, what is the significance of the Spirit being inside of us and testifying Abba? Okay? Talk about that in your group for a second. Some of you got the confused look, I know. Both Galatians and Romans point to this Abba, Father, that the Spirit is inside of us testifying Abba. What, what, walk through that with your group. What do you think about that? Okay, if you, if you are confused by the question, I've worded it a lot better up here. How should it affect your relationship with God to know that he sent the Holy Spirit into your heart to cry out, Abba, Father? Is that kind of where you were when you were talking about this? 
we still have confusion looks on our face. Yes, no, yes, okay. Tell me, what were you talking about in your group? Go for it, Will May. You're clearing the throat. As a dad of a three-year-old, nothing better in life than when the run happens and the arms go up and it's like, Daddy! Pick her up, throw in the air, awesome. Coolest experience. Anybody else? Yeah, go ahead. Right on. Our way of accessing the Father. So go back to the imagery of you and God going out on a date. Weird, awkward, yes. Is that what it looks like? Where you're here, here's the little bistro table, your coffee, whatever, and then there's God? No. This goes back to what Will was saying. In the Old Testament, it was always God was out there. We can't see him. He gives us some signs like a burning bush, or he gives us this like pillar of cloud that leads us. Oh, if only we had a pillar of cloud to lead us which way to go. No. They would always pray, Emmanuel, God with us. No longer is it Emmanuel, God with us, but what is it? God in us. Pauline, that chapter that you love now, Ephesians chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and we are sealed until the day of redemption. The God of the universe is in us. If we are children of God. Right on, that's awesome. I don't have to go, come to church. The same spirit that was at camp, folks, where is he if you're a child of God? But ow, he is inside. The same spirit, Africa people, that went to Africa and it was awesome and cool, is, that, is it that we are closer to God when we're in Africa? No, he's right here. Ask our Columbia folks that get back later today. Very, very cool. In this passage, let me read this to you, Paul makes the same statement. We are, we hear it confirmed once again, the Holy Spirit lives within us to convince us that we are God's children. To convince us that we're God's children. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You've received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry, Abba, Father, verses 15 and 16. In this case, Paul adds to the thought that we should not fall back into fear as though we were slaves because we're not yet perfected. We will all sin on a regular basis. You get that, right? That if the Spirit of God is inside of you, it's not that you just immediately are perfected where you just don't sin anymore. You sin, but what you do with the sin is different. Romans 8, verse 13. You kill the sin. As soon as you see the sin, you kill it by the word of God and by the spirit of God. Versus if you're not a child of God, what do you do with sin? You embrace it, it grows, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. The snowball effect of sin. Our response is just like that of the prodigal son. In shame, he crawled back to the father, believing that he could not be accepted as a son because of his sin, but hoping that he might be able to serve as a slave in the dad's house. Imagine his shock and overwhelming joy when the father, what did the father do in the prodigal son story? You remember? 
threw a party, but what did he do when he saw the son? Ran to him. Grown man, father running to grown man, embraced him. Did he beat him? No, what else did he do for him? Think of what this tells us about our God, okay? He rejoiced, took off his own coat, and gave it to his son who'd been hanging out with pigs and nasty glop. Smelled. He didn't care. He embraced him, took off his robe, gave him his ring, the signifier, you are still a part of the family. Killed the, the calf, had a huge party for him. Now think of this in our relationship with God. Most of us experience situations where our guilt or our perfectionism, look up here, our perfectionism keeps us from enjoying intimacy with God. Okay, so back to the relationship thing. Why don't we feel like we have relationship with God? It's one of these two things. Guilt. If we are truly a child of God, okay, if we're truly a child of God, what keeps us from intimacy with God? Guilt from sin or perfectionism? Where I feel like I always have to be this, do this, what, what Becky was saying. Where I feel like my, God's love for me is from my works, what I do. In times like these, how should the truth of Romans 8, 15 through 17 restore intimacy with God? Look at this question, talk about it with your group real quick. Intimacy with God, the two things that keep us from intimacy. Okay, go ahead and direct your attention to the screen real quick. So, going back to this relationship thing with God, I mean, what, what is it, how does it make you feel that God, through the Spirit of God in your life, loves you that much? Proud, humbling, excited, yeah. Yeah. Scripture says that he jealously desires the spirit that he's put inside of us, to have relationship with the Spirit, that God is so into God that he wants to hang out with God, Holy Spirit, inside of us. But when we think of all those barriers that get in the way, like the guilt and the perfectionism, what, what does that do when you think of God, God loves me in spite of that? God wants, God wants to knock those down. Changes you? Hmm. I don't know where you're at with this. Um, especially as guys, sometimes it's hard to be like, God, God loves me. It, it's hard for that to really penetrate through our exterior sometimes. So we, I had a, a million other things to say today. But I, th I think we just need to 
put the brakes on it for a second. And I, I know in a room this size that, that there's a lot of people who are like, I, I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling the love from God. And, and there's, there's two things with that. One, you, you might not know God yet. You might not have the Spirit of God inside of you testifying that you are a child of God. You might not have the Spirit of God in you, Romans 8, where you are led by the Spirit of God. You might not have that yet. And that's a big deal. Because you can't have all this, like, love, all the love, if you don't have the Spirit of God. Romans 5 says that we have all these huge things going on in our life uh, that we can exalt in our tribulations because we know through our tribulations that God is developing us, perseverance, hope, hope does not disappoint. And throughout all of that, God pours out his love on us in the midst of those persecutions through the Holy Spirit. Some of you are in the persecutions, in the, in the trials of life, and you're not feeling the love. And you need, to, you need to be honest with God uh, about that. Because you've forgotten that God, God's love is different than what we think of man's love. God's love is he loves you so much that he wants you to be more like Jesus. Not God loves you so much that he wants your life to be comfortable. God loves you so much that he wants you to be more like Jesus. So he's willing to allow some things to happen in your life to get you to that place where you come into contact with Jesus. Make me more like Jesus today. So what I want to do, I don't know what this is going to look like. I didn't plan this. But some of you just need, you need to have that brief moment with God today where you allow God to speak some things in your heart. And I told you this at the beginning that I'm not this like feeling person because I see so many people that just live their lives based on feelings and not truth and it really makes me mad because they lose all fervor and passion once the feeling is gone. But what we have to do is we have to base our feelings on what truth is. And truth should then make us hurl ourselves full head-on like sprint towards some emotions and some affections for Jesus. So the, based on the truth of Galatians 4 and Romans 8, that God has given us the Spirit of God to cry out, Abba, Father, I want you to just spend some time responding to that in prayer. You might need some prayer today. You might want somebody to pray for you. Um, we're just going to turn the lights down. We're going to play a song. And I know it's like, oh, we're creating the emotional environment. No. I just want you to spend some time with the Lord where he can, he, can, he can speak to you through the Spirit of God. Okay? If you need somebody to pray for you, man, if you would just raise your hand and some people will rally around you and just pray for you. You don't even have to tell them what's going on. They'll just pray for you. Okay? So let's go ahead and uh, you can stand up, sit down, throw yourself on the ground, Whatever you need to do, uh, just do that. Feel the freedom to do that. And then I'll close this in prayer when we're done. Go for it. Some of y'all that know this song might just want to sing along. Maybe you want to stand up and just put your hands up. Whatever you need to do, feel free to do it. 
God, we come before you this morning and God, we, we confess that we have not been just wrecked by the love of Jesus in our life. We have not been just consumed with the love that was displayed on the cross. We have not been compelled by that love. And so, God, this morning, we just ask that you would, Lord, that you would break through all of, all of the junk, all the stuff, all of the, Lord, all, the, all that keeps us from keeping you and keeping the love of God as our motivation. Lord, if it's sin, we ask that you, through the Spirit of God, would teach us how to kill it because we love you. Not because we, we feel like we have to in order to be a better person, but because we love you. Because you've loved us. Lord, if, we've, if we have this dryness, if we have this barren wasteland of a relationship with you, God, I ask that like a flood, that you would just break through. Lord, like a dam that has broken, that you would just break through in our hearts. God, we thank you for the love of Jesus. We thank you that while we were enemies of God, you came running to us. You gave us robes of righteousness and taken our robes of sin and shame and guilt. Father, you gave us the Spirit of God. You adopted us. You gave us relationship as a part of a family. And so, God, we, we thank you. May our lives be gratitude to you, every breath, because of the love of Jesus, the sweet love of Jesus. God, I ask that if there are those that are in this room that have not yet come to know this love, Lord, that you would break through and that they would realize that Jesus is pure love. Thank you, God. We ask that you would be pleased as we go and worship. We ask that you would be pleased and that it would be a sweet, sweet song, sweet aroma to you as we go and worship and hear the word some more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.